Hello, welcome in. This is the podcast Builder versus Buyer, and I'm the host, Adam Steiner. This podcast is a place for builders and buyers to come and meet at the center and understand a little bit more about each other, um, learn a little bit more through advice and education. Today, we're going to circle back to the remodeling industry a little bit. Um, very fun guest, very great guy. Uh, my guest is David Pollard. He's an architect, builder, co-founder of Live Companies. It's a full-service residential design build company in the Chicago suburbs. Livco has won numerous awards, including 14 Chicago Remodeling Excellent Awards, four Regional Remodeling Excellence Awards, Home of the Year Award, Contractor of the Year Award, five consecutive years, House Best in Service, Remodeling Big 50. And in 2018, Dave was on Pro Remodelers, 40 under 40 list. He has a ton of great insight. Let's get to the interview. Here is David. David Pollard, thank you so much for being on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so for those of the listeners that don't know you, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> so uh, I, I am an architect and a builder. Um, so I graduated architecture school and then worked for some architecture firms and then wanted to get involved in housing in one way or another. And through a series of left turns, uh, ended up founding Livco about eight years ago um, with Russ, my business partner, who is a former home builder. And now we do full service uh, design, build, remodeling uh, in the Chicago suburbs. That's awesome. I'm also on the Indiana side of the Chicago suburbs. So, hey, um, yeah, and just an aside, I love the residential side of the business. I think it's so, so much fun for people out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. But yeah. yeah, I've done a ton of new builds. And from my perspective, new build seems... So I, I gathered from your website and everything that you guys do a lot more remodels than new construction. Um, so from my perspective, new building almost seems a lot cleaner and easier than a remodel job would be. Um, a yeah, from your perspective, how does remodeling differ from new construction? Yeah, it's, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's, it's apples and oranges. Um, I think at the end of the day, you end up with the same materials being used, the same, uh, you know, wood studs, same insulation and a lot of that stuff. But the process to get there is a lot messier. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And to, to, to your point, I, I don't know, I don't have like a great analogy for it, but it's kind of like, building a Tesla or building an electric car on an assembly line, you know, is, is complicated, but it works really nice and clean. But if you want to take like a 1979 Chevy Caprice and convert it to a modern day self-driving electric car, it's going to be a lot more complicated and there's going to be a lot more things to figure out and, and change and custom things fabricated. It's just going to be um, a, a bigger challenge. Now I will say on the design side, in some ways I find it easier personally because of the constraints that, that you have. I think when you're designing a new home and you just have this blank slate, um, that can make the design be a lot more challenging. And uh, not that remodeling design isn't challenging, but it's a different kind of program because it's, yeah. it's more of a puzzle. Yeah. So there's only so many things that you can do and you're trying to solve a lot. Um, through what's, what's feasible and, and what's possible. But yes, they're definitely very different. And I think we've learned a lot of that the hard way. Um, it's a lot messier. It's a lot more expensive. There's a lot more unknowns. 
uh, new construction. Uh, you guys might have a, a, an unforeseen conditions clause in your contract, but that's pretty much underground. Right. Our that's unforeseen about it. Yep. Conditions. Yeah. Ours can be absolutely anywhere. We, yeah, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. Um, and jumping back to something you said just on the design end of it, um, for me, I don't know about uh, how your process is, but for me, like when it's, it's almost counterintuitive that the more constraints almost like unlock something creative, creatively in me. And like, I don't know, I find sometimes the constraints are helpful and um, in, in getting to more creative solutions. Like a blank page is sometimes hard to really be creative on. Um, I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. And especially today where you can literally build anything. Um, so you don't even have real construction methodology, method, methodology constraints like you did, you know, back in the day where, where you're get, the house is going to be brick because they, you know, have clay in the area and they make bricks out of it. So that right. was already a yeah. constraint. Now you can get anything. You can build any span. So it, it, it's, it makes it really hard to, to come up with what the best solution is. Um, it's, it's like designing a boat. You know, a boat has, is going to have so many constraints just based on its ability to, or a sailboat, you know, to catch the wind and move through the water. So you're going to have something holding you in. When it comes to a house, especially in the Midwest where every site's flat too, right? It's just right. a flat rectangle. It's like, where do you even begin? Yeah. So I, I, I enjoy the constraints and I agree. It's, it makes it a little bit more of a, of a problem to solve and a puzzle, yeah. which is fun. Yeah, I enjoy that as well. Um, so looking over just your web profile, web presence, which you guys do a great job of, but um, oh, thanks. I noticed, you know, best of house, what is it? Four years running. Um, is that correct? Yeah, probably more. Yeah, probably five or at least five years now, I think, something like that. Yeah, and for sure. Like, I know from the construction industry, like, to get r- repeatedly noticed, you're doing something right. And my guess is, um, especially with remodeling, that you're doing a great job setting and meeting expectations. Um, what, are, what are some of those common ones you guys set on the front end, you know, through those first couple meetings um, of your process and how things are going to work? Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to the design expectations, our end goal is to solve their problem, solve their pain points. So we're not necessarily trying to present a project that's going to be award-winning or on a magazine. Um, that's kind of a resultant of the, of the skills that we, we try and bring to the problem-solving ability. But when it comes to construction expectations, especially in remodeling, that's a pretty – with HTTV and, and, and all the shows that are out there that make it look really easy, I think we, we first – definitely want to talk them through and understand that this is a, a major financial commitment. Um, it's extremely messy. We're going to do our best to keep the site clean and keep you guys um, comfortable. But in reality, there's going to be dust. Um, it's just not going to be perfect. And we hope that at the end of the day, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that you want to give us a five-star review and even have a beer with us afterwards type of feeling. Um, I think, have you, have you ever heard of the, the funk chart by any chance, Adam? Uh, no, I haven't. So it's a fun thing to Google. I think it's uh, Kevin Harris, who's an architect, created the funk chart. So you can Google funk chart construction, Kevin Harris. But we, I don't even know how we found this thing, but we've been using it since we started eight years ago. And it's, it basically shows the timeline of the construction project and all the phases. And then the emotions, the emotional up and down of the owner, 
the owner's kids, the architect, I the builder. Yeah. It's it's spot on. So right. So mm-hmm. as rough trades are going, you're starting to get really frustrated. You know, the I think the mice are getting really angry and they're starting to leave. And then as you go to drywall, you feel good again, right? And then yeah. everything just kind of slows down and you feel like nothing's happening, but all these things are happening while mud's drying. So mm-hmm. we introduced the funk chart really early in our design process to kind of help set the table for there's going to be ups and downs and um, we're going to do our best to try and get you through that. We're all on the same page here. We're, our goals are aligned. We want to be done with this project as soon as possible, just as you, as you want to be done with it. So a, a lot of it's establishing trust and then just helping them understand that we're there to help guide them through the process as painlessly as possible. That's awesome. So you show it to clients. Oh yeah. We give, we give them a copy. It goes in their, in their binder. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Cause like I've been at builders where that's part of like the sales training of like, okay. And the permitting process is a big low, a big dip. So make sure as your sit, as their sales agent, you're the one calling them saying, Hey, you know, we're moving right along. And I think that's good practice, but I love yours of just show it to them. Like we know you're going to go through this. Let's acknowledge it and be, yeah, that's great. And they, they like to talk about it too. You know, you can, you can have the conversation and say, Oh, let's see where you are in the funk chart. Like, how are you guys feeling? It's <laughs> awesome. Um, speaking of expectations, I think two of the biggest ones, any buyer, regardless of the project are going to be pricing and scheduling. Um, let's talk pricing first. How do you guys handle that on a project? Do you do lump sum? Is it cost plus? Um, what are you educating your buyers going in? Um, yeah. Thoughts on that. Yeah, we're, we're lump sum. Uh, I think that's relatively industry standard around where we are. Uh, we, we like it because it's simplified and we're not afraid to take the risk. Um, I think, I know in California, they do a lot of cost plus. I, I think I like the transparency idea of that. It's just to manage it is just so kind of complicated and messy. And sometimes we have to have the conversation like they're, our clients want to know, you know, what's your markup? How much money are you making? And, you know, I don't ask you how much money you make. You know, I trust that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so the, the lump sum, I think, is a, is a little bit challenging, but what we try and do in our process in establishing pricing, because we're architects who also build, we try, we try really hard to bring very accurate budgeting into the conversation as early as we possibly can. So I can't ballpark anything until we start designing it and understand what it is, but as soon as we design something and have a sense of what it is, we can bring budget to that. And we're, we're having a qualified budget conversation based on our historical project data, while an architect who doesn't build doesn't really have a, a reference to that. Mm-hmm. So in those scenarios, in the, the trad- traditional design bid build system, you're going through this long design cycle process to come up with a perfect solution, but you really don't know how much it's going to cost until you're done with it. And then you right. find out how much it's going to cost. And then it's too expensive or you have a low bidder here and a high bidder here. Um, we're, we're trying to do our best to bring in accurate budgeting from day one. And then that makes that lump sum at the end a little bit more palatable. At least um, we're able to qualify it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, how, do you, how do you then handle your unknowns um, in, the, in the lump sum pricing? Um, we try, we do our best to limit unknowns. We want to know everything. So we're, we're willing to take that risk 
on anything that we can see or anticipate. And so we've built that into our lump sum budget. Now there are, you know, unforeseen conditions that may come up, but if it's a project where we're tearing out, you know, a whole kitchen and doing all new plumbing anyway, then, you know, there's no unknowns in the plumbing system because it's all going to be new. Yeah. So I, sometimes the larger the project, the number of unknowns goes down. Um, or if it's something that we just don't know, but we anticipate it being something, we'll put an allowance towards it. So we'll say, we're going to set, we think this might be around $2,500 because we're identifying it. If we're able to save money and it's less, then that's your money. If it costs more, we just have to understand that um, it's going to cost a little bit more. Yeah. So do you have a pretty exhaustive um, like site review, site measure process you guys go through? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, that's our first design step. We have a, a two-step design process. So in our feasibility design, that's when we do our, do our first uh, field measure and site documentation. And, and actually we have Sarah, who's, a, who's one of our architects, goes out and field, field measures. And then also DJ goes with her, who's our pre-construction manager and does estimating. So I think we kind of did that by accident because he was available to do it. But it's really been invaluable to have someone who's going to be building the budget there, helping to document and see the space prior to that. And then when we kick into our second design phase, then Christopher gets involved, who's the architect dealing with the blueprints and all the, the technicalities of it. And he's going to go back out, go through his checklist and make sure that we've done a second pass to identify everything based on doing the formal drawings. That's great. Love that. And you can never, you can never take too many photos. Yeah. Yeah. And we do 360 photos now. That's kind of handy too. So. Oh yeah. That's, I didn't thought of that. That's awesome. Um, and then on scheduling. So do you give clients a schedule? How often do you update them on the schedule? You know, once the design is done, say, Hey, we're ready to either permit, move ahead. How does that work? Yeah. So we, we use builder trend. Um, and okay. I listened to your, your podcast on builder trend. I a hundred percent agree. It's so great. But why <laughs> is it so slow? Like, what I don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> It drives me crazy. Um, so we, we use Builder Trend um, and our project manager is, is maintaining that schedule, um, keeping it updated. I believe what we're doing now is we're trying to give them a two-week, the client's access to a two-week preview just because remodeling is not an assembly line. Mm -hmm. um, the, probably some of the schedule unknowns is just, you know, framing takes longer because all of a sudden we discovered something and we need to rebuild something. Um, and then the plumbers push because they were already set to come on Thursday, but now the carpenters need an extra day. So we try and do a two week preview just to give a little bit of an insight. And then our main communication is we have a project manager and a site manager. So our clients, if they're living there, should be seeing our site manager every day. And, um, if they're not, they're still in, in pretty constant communication with, um, our site manager and our project manager. And we're in Chicago so we have weather to deal with. So it's hard to, if we tell someone, you know, six weeks from now, we're going to be putting a roof on your house. That's probably a two week window. So yeah. it's almost easier just to have more one-on-one -on -one personal communication with, uh, with clients the day or two days beforehand. Yeah, that's great. Um, so then you mentioned this a little earlier. I'd, I'd love to go back to it. The, as an architect builder, you know, some separate that and you're the architect and the builder are two totally different entities, but bringing it all in house, how has that helped you capture details, translate stuff to the site? 
Yeah, I mean, I think some of my favorite social media posts over the years are when we have the giant uh, hand sketch on the wall of the detail of how we're going to build this funky little cabinet thing. So <laughs> I, think, I think there's some, some kind of master builder moments that happen. Um, as we've grown and tried to be a little bit more efficient, we, we recognize that solving a detail the day of on a wall isn't always the best solution, but it does allow us the ability to to pivot a little bit if when the space is built or being built out, uh, our design team recognizes something, we can introduce it to the clients and budget it and price it pretty quickly uh, because we're one team kind of working on their behalf versus let's figure out what this is and then give it to the builder who's going to be angry that we're messing things up. Uh, it gives us the, the versatility to, to make changes when Changes could be valuable from a design mm -hmm. standpoint. Yeah, which is which is really fun, um, and yeah, just being being on site and on in the field, just it's remodeling. So your drawing tolerance is going to be like three inches versus a quarter inch. So there's going to be things that are going to have to be solved quickly in the field, mm -hmm. and we're and we're able to do that. Yeah, very quickly. Like yeah. the carpenters will call me, which is kind of fun. <laughs> Hey, I got this, this, and this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then what are your, what are some of uh, just most common questions from clients? What are those um, things that people, you know, when they're getting into a remodel project, what do you, what are you asked? I mean, the, the number, the number one is how much, how much is it going to cost? <laughs> the number two is how long is it going to take? Yeah. Um, and HGTV doesn't, and I think HGTV has done incredible things for the design community because it's, it's standardized and elevated level of design thought, but they haven't really helped us uh, in terms of cost and, um, and time. So, <laughs> right. uh, so what, what we've tried to put together over the years is we have what we call our guidebook, which has a timing worksheet. So you can kind of work through how long we think the design process will take, um, how long the construction process will take based on if it's an addition with the foundation, it's going to add a month right? If we don't have a foundation mm -hmm. that saves a month of concrete and inspections. Um, so we have a couple tools to help work them through that for cost. Um, we, I can't, I cannot ballpark. I will be wrong. It doesn't serve anybody any, any good. So what we do early on is we, we just talk about previous projects. Mm. So if they want to do a kitchen addition, uh, especially now that we do a lot of zoom calls, I can share my screen and pull up a recent kitchen edition and say, you know, this was $230,000 and this is what we did here. And that might be relative to the scope that you're thinking about doing. And then yeah. we'll, we'll also use the uh, cost versus value report from remodeling magazine is another kind of good third party data to help them understand that. But those are definitely our biggest two questions we have heard. And I don't know if you've heard this recently, but uh, in the last couple of months, it's been probably a third of our clients say, um, I've heard about lumber prices going up. How is that going to affect our project? Which I thought was kind of interesting that they're so tuned into that. Yeah, I have heard a lot. And all my clients that are builders are, that's all they talk about. Oh yeah. <laughs> lumber pricing. Yeah. Um, it has, it's affected some. I don't know how you guys have handled that question. Well, it's, I mean, our projects aren't that lumber heavy because it's not a whole new house. So. Yeah. Um, it's, it impacts us. I mean, a $4,000 lumber package went to eight, you know, so that's four grand that we're mm -hmm. going to eat. Um, 
So it's, it's made that estimating portion a little bit different, but not to the level of, you know, new home builders. Yeah. Yeah. I had builders telling me between like 10 and 15 grand a house. Yeah. Just in hard costs. Yeah. So nuts. Um, any other notes from you? Thoughts on the industry? Comments? Concerns? Oh man, you know, I always have lots going through my head. No, I, I appreciated hearing, hearing you on the business of architecture. I think um, you guys talked about podcasts, but also kind of your, your, your role doing, coming from an engineering background and doing architectural design for new construction and kind of the, the call to architects, like, you know, you guys could be doing this. Why are you making it so difficult? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> yeah. I put some, put some words into your mouth there, but that, that's no, I think that's where, fair. Yeah. I, I, that's where my head is. You know, I've been trying to make a call to architects who want to do um, residential design. Um, there's op- huge opportunities in remodeling. Uh, and I think it's historically in the design and even the home building community kind of been like lower tier, you know, felt mm-hmm. more like, like, uh, chucking a truck type of feel, yeah. but it's, it's really a, a fascinating uh, industry with you get to know your end user really well, which mm-hmm. most architects, you're not actually working for, for your end user. You're working for a client that's going to build something and then find an end user. Um, and there's a need for a higher level of, of professional design and a higher level of professional construction. So I just appreciate anyone thinking about the design world in, in a little bit of a different way. Um, and maybe it doesn't have to be just all architecture firms designing houses um, for, the, for the billionaires. Maybe there's a place for efficiency of design to be able to arrange the same pieces a little bit better. for. Money. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my vision as well. And if there's any like young people listening and you're in college studying like or deciding on where to go with your career. Like I think residential is a great, great place to be. Like if you want to design a skyscraper and be the lead designer on that, like good luck, you know, that, the it's path not that, that exciting. I did that. <laughs> did it's you really? a lot of stair detailing. Yeah. <laughs> and like the path to like be the lead designer on a groundbreaking commercial project is, is very, very hard, but to be the lead designer on a fun residential project, there's not as much barriers to entry to it. So you get to do a lot more, creativity and design a lot sooner I've found and and your design cycle because designers get bored too like (laughs) yeah um, you you don't want to work on the same project for six years you just don't (laughs) right right right. if if our project takes a year for design and construction we're already tired of it and the clients are tired of us so you get to come up with something real cool that client's ecstatic they're happy and then you take what you learned and apply it to the next project and I don't know, you end up with this really cool kind of fun portfolio of things that build on each other versus one giant skyscraper that you worked on your whole life. Right, right. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, David, thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciated the conversation. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or find out more about your company, where can they find that? Yeah, our website is livecompanies.com, L-I-V-C-O-M-P-A-N-I-E-S.com. You can find me um, on LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. I'm David Pollard. And um, yeah, that's probably the easiest ways where our live codes all over social media, Instagram, Facebook. So probably if you search for us, you can find us. Great. Thank you for that. And thanks again for coming on today. 
Yeah. Thanks for having me. As always, thank you so much for listening. Um, I really appreciate it. If you haven't already, please like, subscribe, follow, rate, review, do all of the stuff that you should do on the internet in 2020. Um, and if you'd like to get in touch, I'd love to hear from you. I am on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, um, among others. The easiest way is the email info at buyer.com. Um, on Instagram, it is at builder VS buyer or LinkedIn. It's just my name, Adam Steiner. I'd love to hear from you. And, um, I hope you have a great day as always last but not least. Thanks to Andrew Michael Metter for the music. <laughs>